Come on. They're right there. Let's go. Move, 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 move. This episode of Choices Not Chances is sponsored by Louisiana Gun Shop, located in Broussard, Louisiana, just south of Lafayette. For more information, stay tuned at the end of this episode. This is Choices Not Chances podcast with Ryan and Matt. I'm your co-host, Matthew Charette. Sit next to me is your host, Ryan Rogers. At 14.40, I walked out of my hooch to conduct PCCs and PCIs, and I found the entire squad standing by for me, already inspected by the team leaders. I threw on my kit, and I proceeded to the first main line, Lance Corporal Rhodes, grinning from ear to ear. And before I read the rest of the excerpt out of the book, Rhodes was a calm Marine. He was attached to us to be the CEO's personal calm guy yeah so calm guru the kid was probably six to athletic build always working out always anxious to get after he's getting it after it in the gym he's standing there getting it after it as he's on radio watching the coc he's just an all-around good guy and he became really good friends with our squad yeah Um, and i don't know if he was good friends like when we weren't there if he was really good friends with other squads, I would assume so. I mean, yeah, I would assume he was the same. Because I mean, we were he going really on. gravitated us for some reason, right. you know, and we were we were always engaged, maybe. Yeah, uh, and so he could come by and trade like whatever good gouge he heard on the radio for, you know, like, you know, uh, whatever we story. did that day. Yeah, and like uh, kind of lived vicariously through us. Well, he'd asked us several times to go out, and that's kind of what we get into, um, right right here and it's important to note that like it was a while before that shortly after we had first arrived at five points that um myself and um sergeant at the time staff sergeant is uh joey harms um we would talk tactics at night even you included um I just remember, I don't remember the first night that we talked about it, but I know that it was at, I know that it was at five points and I know that we were talking tactics because the Taliban at the time they had, they had these little mopeds and and like little, little, uh, go faster scooters, right? Go faster than we could walk anywhere or run. And they would hit us and then they would bound and then they would hit us and then they would bound and you could never catch them. Yeah. Not that you couldn't, it's just that we hadn't adapted to it yet. Correct. And, and so, they don't care about human life, really, of the fighter, and we do. So we're not just going to run at them headlong without our special, without a tactic that's going to protect us. Right, right. And so that's important just to note because we had started to formulate these ideas about having a runner team and. And you said uh, you could remember maybe the first night or one of the nights that we had gotten into it at the smoke pit. Yeah, I said, you know, either you or Horns, I don't know which one. He, you know, one of y'all said, we just got to find a way to get at, get at them. We can't, we can't catch them, you know. And if you can catch them, then you get them. Then you could get them. But they're, they're not hitting you at 50 meters. They're hitting you at four, 
four, five, maybe three if they're feeling froggy that day because they know. Mm-hmm. And well, especially they spread out there, but like as the summer months came on, they started hitting us at much closer ranges just out of necessity because the foliage was so thick. True. By like yep. the, the canals, but still they would have weapons, you know, mortars uh, and, and little scooters ready to go so they could, you know, get the hell out of Dodge as soon as they'd hit us and, you know, inflict some kind of damage on us and get our attention. And as soon as we turn the guns to them, they're 400, 500, 600 meters away in like a couple of minutes. And it's we like, can't touch them with a like, four, yeah. really, at that point. I mean, you can. I mean, we touched them. But, but you know, it's you a little bit harder. And sniper. And, yeah. yeah, and so that's just kind of the setup here. So at 1440, I walked out of my hoops to conduct the PCCs and PCIs, and I found the team leaders already inspect- inspected them. I threw on my kit and proceeded the first man in line who was Lance Corporal Rose, grinning from ear to ear. I checked him over as I could feel his energy and excitement pouring out of him. He couldn't stop smiling the whole time I left his gear over. He was ready. I asked him some mission-oriented questions about what to do if A, B, or C happens, and he answered all of them correctly. I spot-checked the rest of the Marines, knowing my team leaders had already been over each man and fixed the discrepancies, if any. With a squad ready to step, I conducted comm checks with the COC, and I requested to depart friendly lines to kill the enemy. The watch officer laughed a bit and cleared me to push out the east entrance to the, into the bazaar. We would be, be going on patrol to the north on an intel that a fight, on intel that a fight awaited. There was some sus- suspicious activity flaring up to the north where the Taliban had noticed and taken advantage of, of a small bubble of land in between our northern line and our AO and the British troops. And, uh, and the British troops' southern line. So basically, our northern limit... Our northern limit for our company battle space is where the southern limit for the British Marines north of us southern limit was. And because of deconfliction, like when you're going to go up there, you're going to have to not only deconflict our battle space, but now we got to call the Brits battle space and deconflict their air and their troop movement before we can move up. So, you know, just geometry is a fire, really, and making sure that everybody involved in the situation knows exactly what's going on so we don't have any blue on blue fire or anything like that and with our with our battle space not including the brits it was always kind of easy to deconflict that just because you've got one platoon on uh patrols so out of that out of that platoon you're gonna have one platoon or one squad on rest one squad on react and the other squads on on uh patrol so there's only one platoon out there as long as everybody's communicating this, it's you're good to go. Right. But you do have to worry about the Brits to the north. And I, I don't even know who was to the south of us in India, or it might have been one six. It was one six. Okay. Yeah, some some element of one six. Right. And so, so so yeah, so the deconfliction we, we called it the bubble and, and like it doesn't take the Taliban long to know where you're not gonna come get them at. They start building then, their their uh area of operations to uh, mimic your area of operations. But the only thing is they don't care about deconfliction. They'll run across that line just as quick as if it gets them away from us, they will, they will DD across that line. For sure. But like there was a bubble. It was clearly like a 300 meter bubble where they knew they were safe and they, they were brazen up there. Yeah, and uh, and then they would work down into the south and hit us and retreat to there. And then a lot of times they knew that we were going to follow them for whatever reason. They didn't know why, I'm sure, but we knew why. 
We get might you a certain, too. Yeah. We get to a certain northing and command shut it down. Yeah. And for you know, for good reason, that's what we're saying. So uh, we're moving on in this area and back to the book. Uh, I've been there before, and the rooftops were unique for the area. They were not all flat roofs like every other roof in, in the AO. They were domed. Each compound had three or four half moon half moon shaped domes on top, which were ideal for cover which weren't ideal for covering a firefight. But they were better than the compounds with no roofs or for flat roofs. The domes were twenty four to thirty six inches of hard packed mud, just like the mud huts themselves, making them damn near bullet and rocket proof. Damn near. As we moved into the bazaar and once more to dance with the devil, the mood uh, the mood and calm of the atmosphere uh, is normal. I always told Rhodes to stay right beside me unless I told him otherwise or by a t or, or if he was told otherwise by one of the team leaders. As we patrolled out of the market, we opened way up into a staggered column and proceeded on. We had about a three-click movement to make it to the OP compound, and then from there, we would observe the area for a bit before taking a, nor a route north and then west back to the cop. Easy day. The entire way, Rhodes was locked on, listening to everything that I was telling him and looking like a smooth operator. The only thing was, I could tell he was nervous. His smiles were gone and he was on edge. I kept cracking jokes to try to chill him down. And after a while, it seemed like he settled in. As we moved through the poppy fields, which were now chiseled, we were now, now closing on a small village of about 15 or so interconnected compounds, somewhat spread out. It had been a trouble area before because we had used a bad crossing to create a bit of a choke point on the squad. Going off that lesson, I split out a satellite patrol with Corporal Charette's team and uh, to make the same crossing, and the rest of the squad continued a few hundred meters further down to the south to a canal that separated another crossing. Both elements were mutually supporting this way, and if one team was jammed up, the other could pro provide relief instead of being jammed up with them. The runners had less distance to cover and Charette held, near, held the near side of the canal, awaiting my element to make our crossing. And it's important to note at this time, um, when talking uh, when talking tactics and talking about uh, Joey Harms and me talking and, and making these tactics for having these runner teams, it became you being the leading person right. of the runner team in second squad. And so we had this idea of what it would be. We would establish contact with the enemy. One way or another, right? They're probably gonna <coughs> they're probably gonna kick that big, but yeah, yeah, they're probably gonna kick it off uh, through a cat hole or from some hiding space somewhere. Which you know, more power to them, whatever. Once they kick it off, though, the tactic is to fix them uh, with two teams and then sprint the runner team straight at them, basically right. under heavy suppression. Which at and that then, point we didn't have the numbers to do that. We had basically effectively two teams. We had a team with an extra guy and. My team. Yeah, we we had lost. Uh, we, Bennett was gone by then. Yeah. He had a, a Red Cross message home, I believe. And uh, Cola was gone. Cola Mac was, was gone. gone. Mac was gone. We did pick up Breland, so we so we got flushed up there one. But we were still and down. Brady. We were still down some guys, and and so uh, so, so yeah, we were basically running our two man uh, two, two team. It's two team. It's squad minus. Squad yeah. minus. We were all right. Yeah, it was good. And. Uh, Actually, a little easier to control, a little bit faster to control, too. You know. Yeah, the, the smaller, I mean, you don't want to lose firepower, but right. a couple well, guys. We, we, we still maintain three stalls, so, I mean, you still have. We had the firepower. Right. So, uh, right at the canal, there was always some sort of vegetation to use for concealment, like the cattails <laughs> that had concealed us down south in, the canal, in, in different canals months earlier. 
He tucked in with his team and began to observe and report activity. There was nothing really off the baseline, and soon I had reached my crossing. We crossed together by echeloning in pairs and then re reconstituted our formation to, to carry on. It was smooth. Just out of sight from the OP compound, the atmosphere began to change. Women and children were no longer out, and you could feel the cold eyes of death upon you. I radioed to everyone to stay alert, as if they were not already tracking, and the once relaxed 20-year-old boys composed, uh, that composed my squad postured up like the lines that they were, and the mood and tone shifted. It was always an eerie feeling, knowing that the enemy was watching you, but you had to get used to it. Continuing, we finally reached the OP. The point team conducted a near-side cordon, and Team 2 made entry into the house, clearing it. I chose the house because it had been abandoned in the bush and no one ever moved back into it yet. Knowing that it was empty previously, I managed to move back into it again. Knowing that it was empty previously, I thought I thought it better not to uh, I thought it better to not scare the locals and remove remove a family even if it was only temporary. Sorry about that. In the counterinsurgency operation, it's important not to fuck that up and create more potential enemies in the process. Kind of a double-edged sword. You're here to help. And sometimes you hurt when you help. The some that you hurt turn against you and at least empathize with the enemy in a stronger way. That's bad. Keep rolling. Check. I got this. Not to mention the compound gave a great unobstructed view of the crossing in which we wanted to watch. A crossing that we had been in a fight with um, weeks before. Team 3 quickly moved behind Team 2 and popped to the roof for overwatch. As the Marines secured the area from above, I popped to the top and got a sip of water from my camelback. I told Rhodes to stay on the ground and on ground level and report to me any significant action and from the battalion tech. He countered wanting to come to the roof, but I told him no. We wouldn't be here very long, and it was an unnecessary risk. He gave up the fight fast and started to mingle with Charette and his team. I headed up. So once I get up to the top side of this building, I'm just going to fast forward a bit here. Once I get up to the top side of the building, we start to observe the enemy, and they're moving through a tree line, and they're kind of skirting through, like echeloning in twos, basically, staying spread out. And you could only see them once in a while, and I remember I hadn't even really seen them and gotten my eyes on them well before the first shots cracked out. Right. And I remember before that happened, Rhodes kept begging, let me come up, let me come up, let me come up, let me come up. And I'm like, finally, I'm like, all right, drop the big antenna radio, bring your handheld up here, stand right beside me, do not do anything crazy, you know, whatever. Yeah. Because the captain told me before I left, if something happened to Rhodes, he was going to kill me. And I believed him when he said it. He didn't say it like he was kidding. And um, so <laughs> Rhodes is right beside me, we're doing well, everything's fine, and then the roof exploded right in front of us. I mean, boom, 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 boom. They ran a rip right up beside us and I seen the muzzle flash. Yeah. And as soon as, as soon as they started ripping roads, like was so afraid to die, was so afraid that he like jumped, but he was only had like six inches where his toes were from those domes. Smart idea. So I reached back, I grabbed his flak, I pull him back up to me. I'm like, Hey, call in the tick. I remember his eyes. He was so energized. And he said, uh, how do you stay so fucking calm? And it's like, you know, I'm not claiming to be no badass, but what? we've been doing this for eight months every day, dude. You at have that it. point, it's another day at the office, really. I mean, yeah, sound badass. Whatever. You're desensitized to that. Absolutely. At that point. Yeah, it's not, you you're know, not saying that as a, like. You'll I, deal with the after effects later on. Trust me. Yeah. And so it, it was, <laughs> it was interesting to me. Um, 
how that all went down and how scared he was, you know, given given how that the rest of the deployment took for him. So, so I remember it a little, just a little differently. Okay. Um, oh, and I didn't really tell about the runners. Why don't you cover that part? So this is the way I remember it going down. There we were. No, I'm just joking. Um, y'all got in and posted up on the top of the roof. Yep. Just like you said, we were almost in the compound. Yeah, you, we were kind of overwatching your guys' exactly, last little because we had over. jumped off after you guys got set up and we were coming in. So I had my team, and they initiated contact with us 50 meters from – I remember the gate being, like, big enough to get a truck in there. Mm. Um, and one of the things that we had talked about, we had trucks. We, we were only uh, 1,800 to 2,000 meters away from 608. And uh, – we had trucks shadowing our patrol working east to west. Yeah, that was that same group that we were talking about just yeah, a little bit exactly. ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, the thing was, we I wanted to see uh, fire over our heads with a with a Mark 19. Like, that was, like, one of my, uh, let's call it a bucket list. In the one infantry. of the only things that we hadn't done. Right. I mean, so that was the plan. Get contacted. Button up, take a compound, wait for the trucks to basically, and you know, and it ended up being that, well, I'll tell the story. I come in the compound pissed because just got shot at. I'm, <laughs> I'm still at that point where I'm, you know, I'm a little pissed. And uh, you're up on the roof and you said, hey, runner teams, go get up to that compound straight in front of us. Get after it. Or something along those lines. Probably runners. And I, with the biggest amount of disappointment in my voice, say, what about the Mark 19s? And you say, we're too close to the enemy and too far away from the trucks. Look, man. It boils down to the fact that (laughs) I was on the hook with trucks. And they're like, man, we want to shoot for you. Uh, We can't. Yeah, no. Looking at it on the map later on that night, I was like, Mm. Yeah, no, we can't do that. Mm. So we roll out of the compound. Wetzel, my point man, and the point man for the squad, he dives in a little ditch out in front of the thing and sits on some prehistoric uh, pricker bush or whatever you want to call it. Cacti. Cacti I don't know what it was. A big-ass thorn. We can call it a BAT, a bat. He thinks he gets effectively hit because he's bleeding. Like, not profusely, not not like enough that. Enough to get to his camis red, though. Enough to say, Doc, get out here, come check Wetzel out. So now the runner's team, runner's team is like, uh, Getting bogged down. We got a little uh, friction. Yeah, and you guys didn't tell me about that. And we were, we the, were fighting on the roof still when yeah, we were going down. There was a little closet area. On the outside of the house, so I don't know what it was used for, but I basically pushed those two in there. I want to say I had Grimes with me because you had Knuckles on the roof. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, Grimes, lay it down. His saw jams. This is just awesome. Excellent. I said, you better dump a fucking bottle of CLP in that shit, and we need to roll. Yeah, yeah. Time to Doc's go. Doc's like, it's a pricker bush. I said, good, let's get up. And then Wright was with us, too. So we rolled up. There was a yeah, and there was a there was a north and south running. Uh, it was almost like set up ditch. for the runner teams. Like that's why perfect. we sent it to you. I was on the yeah. roof, 
And I don't know if you could see it from the ground or when you finally seen the ideal setup that you stumbled into. Right. But once I popped to the roof, like I was playing this in my head before we established contact. I'm watching you guys move over. And as I'm watching you guys move over, I trace up and these guys are fucking dancing in the tree line, you know. And um, I'm like, check. And I look and it's just like God put it there for us. It was just a straight two foot ditch line. And it had a good bottom, no water, no not mud. flooded, yep. not muddy, yep. solid bottom, two foot of cover. So if you did take contact, boom, you're. I mean, you're covered. Right. I'm, well, and actually what we you're, ended you're up... You're in a trench, but you're covered. What I ended up doing was leaving Wetzel and Grimes at that little ditch in the front of the building. And me and Wright rolled up there real quick. I found a spot. I said, push it, Grimes, Wetzel, get your ass up here. They met us. And then we came around to the front of the building. We were taking contact three, three and a, uh, 350, maybe 400 meters away. So we yeah. rolled it pretty quick. Yeah, you guys you guys closed the gap in I mean, that like was... less than two minutes. But you, you, were, you were definitely hauling some serious ass. And um, that was the point of the runner team, right. though. The point was they're going to hit us thinking that we're going to sit here and bang with them for 15 minutes before we start to actually oh, we're going to try to get air on station. Or we're going to try and call mortars. No, we're Correct. taking this as close as, as possible. Correct. You know? And so the runner team tactic was just we're going to cover you with two machine guns and the rest small arms on the, and, and we're going to cover you good. Like they're not popping up, but you're hauling ass all the way up there and then you're fragging the compound and making entry yep. as a team and then we're sucking to you. And, and actually so, – you broke it down on you didn't break the roof the, the overwash down but you came down and by the time i was about to hit the door you were the one behind me which i didn't even realize until yeah, i turned around to kind of i turned around and kind of look and i pointed to the grenade mm-hmm. on my on my flak and you gave me the nod and i pulled it out and i had the pin and i listened and then i heard kids Mm-hmm. crying inside and i basically was like well that ain't gonna work i put it back away yeah. I, I remember that like it was yeah this morning, i mean you know? all in all the the tactic worked we were on them we got on them, and we did get them mm-hmm. um actually i remember before we made entry too there was two guys on a motor moped mm-hmm. and we smoke checked them yeah and that's exactly what it was yeah. we closed enough distance and then they're like oh shit they're here and and good on you for not throwing that grenade because I still wanted you to throw that grenade that day. Um, I didn't hear him. I was confused as I didn't hear shit after this. This well, is well, and you're you're on the roof and you're. I want to say this is it. after the mortars incident where we were in Charlie Charlie Echo with with the other squad. Where right. I had some eighty twos fall down, and after after that, my ears were completely blown. I mean, I didn't hear much after that. And so the fact that you heard that, had the discipline to put that back away. Don't even know how I heard it. I just know. And it's crazy, but it worked. And they were, there was two, two or three, I think there was two or three youngins in there and they're all and freaked family, out because, you know, you know, and the whole family's crying because, well, this Taliban dude, this, this pair just shows up, you know, probably slaps them around a little bit, tells them to get in the corner and then they're fighting us. Right. And, and we're not, we're not giving them any slack. You know, no, yeah, we were laying it on, we were pouring it on thick, and but, um, so disappointed about the guns, though. The, the, the Mark 19, so disappointed. So, yeah, so we pick up right here in the book, uh, stuttering and fumbling over his words. Yes, how do you guys stay so calm? Everyone that heard him laughed, and we continued to lay into the enemy. Shredder changed up his plan, he took an advantageous, an advantageous position on the right flank of the enemy, 200 meters in the ditch. I've Oh. 
I popped yellow smoke on the roofs of the building and request that we requested fires from from the gun trucks. Before long, the yellow smoke was billowing, and I can hear Charette's team taking shots as they had eyes on the enemy. That would have been where that, where I had the stopping point with me and right. Where you were at the stopping point, and did you drop the guys on the moped there, or was it no, after it was I got I up with you? It was round. It was when I rounded the corner. So before I came up, you guys yeah. put those guys down. That's what that's what this part's about right here. Also, another important uh, aspect, and this was the only time I remember it happening. As soon as they initiated, air went red. Remember, we were talking about that earlier. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. when I was like, that was why I was so pissed because it's I, like, don't get hurt now. I said they waited until air they knew air was going to go red and they waited because we were the storm was chasing us if i remember right it we were trying to it get wasn't that, that bad of one but yeah i remember no, but it was about. bad enough that they yeah. were, you know like the whole time the patrol was going on the air was yellow and we pushed anyways and then air went red and it wasn't like a sandstorm there was just low visibility yeah, Something yeah was too much on. in the air yeah. yeah yeah so as the runners are moving <clears throat> Uh, the corporal with the trucks cracked over the comm asking if it was good. I responded with, who's on the Mark 19? Upon hearing that, he told me that it was Longshore and I was elated. I called the shred that it was a change of plan and he took up an advantageous position on the right flank of the enemy 200 yards out of the ditch. I popped yellow smoke on the roof of the building. I was requesting fires from the trucks. Before long, the yellow smoke was billowing and I could hear Charette's team taking shots as they had eyes on the enemy. They continued to push up the wadi, at which point I left Knuckles' team in place on the roof and left to link up with Charette. And that wasn't part of the plan. No, for you to get down and come meet. It was, and uh, well, eventually, but well, when eventually, but on the object, on yeah, the objective, yeah, not by myself traversing 300 right. meters, but the further you guys got away from me, and then I heard you taking shots and you're calling out shots over the radio. And I'm like, I'm a squad leader, and my job in a rifle squad is, is to be at the point of friction, the point of most friction. And right now, I have a I have a team in way more friction than I am. So I looked over at Knuckles and I was like, hey, you got it. When I tell you to roll it up, you come straight to me. And I got down off the roof and I hit that ditch and I dug until I caught you. Yeah. And 300 meters later, I was smoked. It's a good ditch for it, though. I was smoked. Yeah, great ditch. I was smoked. Um, so then I catch up with you. They continue to push up the wadi, at which point I left Knuckles in place on the roof. And I left to link up with Charette. Upon link up, we stacked for entry, and Charette held up his frag. I gave the head nod, and he prepped to throw. Just before tossing his grenade, he heard children inside the compound. Tucking his frag away, we made entry. We found multiple firing positions with extended shell casings and linkage. The enemy had bugged out, but the runner team had been successful. We RTB'd and encountered no resistance in the process. With road safe back in the wire, I felt like the CO might not want to kill me anymore. <laughs> I finished my debrief, and I hit the shower. I met with Harms and his, ho- and his hooch afterwards and discussed the day's events and how we used the ro- used the, ro- the runners. We talked late into the night about how to better kill the enemy before turning in. And uh, shout out to the Harms family and um, and rest in peace to yeah. to Joey Harms, who's a, a war dog, one of the best that I've ever served with and taken too early. Um, Far too early before his time. Just uh, a great Marine. I mean, all around, very humble and very knowledgeable. Very, yeah. Very knowledgeable. Yeah. Um, I mean, he 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 knows this. I made sure I told him this as he started to get sick. And um, I had seen him over there at Wounded Warrior Battalion. And he's doing a golf outing kind of thing. And I'd seen him. And I said, hey, just so you know, you know, between, between me and you, man, I always looked at you as a mentor. And 
you helped me a lot more than you probably know. And, um, yeah. and Joey passed away a couple of years ago from cancer and uh, gone too soon for sure. So uh, shout out to you, big dog, wherever you were at. We're going to make the legend live on. and uh, Keep looking down on us, brother. Yeah, so uh, that was Roads and Runners. and uh, That was one of my favorites. Like, seriously, one of the, like, it just was. And by the way, I wasn't nervous about being. I know you're the squad leader. You got to be at the point of friction, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't no, have an issue. No, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna not be in my position. You know what I mean? I, I'm not gonna. By the time I got up there, I was so pissed and winded. I it didn't matter. Yeah, and that might be why I didn't hear anything either, because I sprinted that 300 meters without True. stopping to get to you, and I got there and I'm like, <sighs> and you hold up a frag and I'm like, okay, okay, whatever you gotta do, <laughs> whatever we gotta do, buddy. I'm ready. And uh, and I hadn't thrown one yet, and I was. That was a, it. Was like a day of letdowns. But Thought we were going to get overhead tires from Mark the same time, you know. Thought we were going to get through some frags. Yeah, I didn't even get to get up on the roof. Like, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, lesson learned in this one for sure. If you are uh, operating either in capacity for the federal government yeah. or in your own private contract capacity. Um, you got guys like this that are out there and, and they're using your rules and your gear against you and things of that nature. Just you got to outsmart them. And I mean, don't be afraid to bring it up to other uh, to, uh, to subordinates or to your equals or as whatever. many people as you yeah. can bring it up to. You should be bringing it up to. And if you find something that works, then you need to disseminate that information to everybody right. as quickly as possible. There can be no parochial attitudes. In competition and infighting when we're over there in the suck doing this stuff. And not so only anything that works need to be passed on. In 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 business as well. I mean, uh, anything, any yeah, any any best practices that you can pass on. Uh, we do it all the time, and that's at, the whole point. Of, well, that's the whole point of this of this podcast is to be a conduit of information, uh, of lessons learned, and don't do this because this is didn't work, and do this because this did work, and that. But also at the same time, use it as a guideline, not as a as a rule. No, absolutely. You can't get stuck on it because it's a fluid environment. Any combat situation is going to be a fluid environment. Like when the enemy is getting killed, they're going to do different things to not get killed anymore. And then we have to adapt so that we can kill them more. Right. And it just it's a tit for tat back and forth all, all through the, the battle space for the, whatever period of time you're there. And then, oh, guess what? You come home and let's say the op, op tempo side like it was, you know, early on in the war and you're home for seven and back you're like well i was only gone seven months guess yeah. what? it's a whole Change. new world baby Done. seven months it doesn't matter you have to relearn everything and uh i'm going to talk about that now in a little bit the uh rip toe process yeah, which is the, we can roll right into it bro yeah so the rip toe process is a acronym for relief in place transition of authority and that's simply saying okay like my oncoming unit that is relieving me is coming in inbound, and we're going to give them a left, what we call a left seat, right seat transition, which means the left seat, I'm still driving <clears> as the squad leader in 3-6, and two non-squads come in, or their, their main element doesn't come in, but their key leaders come in, let's say. And so three squad leaders in LT, you know. And they had team leaders from uh, the, the APLs from each squad. Too. Yep, so the squad leader and APL from each squad comes in, and then they get paired up with us, and then we show them the battle space for six or eight days, you know, or more. It's really on their request, but in, in our situation, our relief wanted a quick changeover. We gave it to them. Um, and, uh, yeah, the changeover was 
Our changeover was a was a bit different. Yeah, we got it was a bit different. We got a special name for it. So, um, yeah. So the last operation that that second platoon did, well, it wasn't the whole platoon. It was uh, two squads reinforced. It would have been our squad and JT squad, which was third. Yeah. And Plus, um, section of mortars and a uh, we two had sections uh, of machine guns yeah we or had one section we had a section of mortars and we had well we had one squad of machine guns yeah, we had two guns go. with us yeah um and so two squads reinforced attachments we also took EOD with us we also took engineers with us we also had ICOM chatter marines with us up on those ops and in the five day war especially I know that most of our missions was to take EOD to bridges to blow them in the backyard That's of the right. Taliban. And so I don't know how I forgot about that because that was a pretty hairy one. Yeah, and so and not so much as contact; it was just a hairy situation. Well, I mean, it was one of those situations where we had relief coming in, and we're about to have you know a lot of Marines getting off a lot of birds. Yep, and push out that, boundaries. That, you know, we want to shut them down, and not to mention we were going to push up on the on that op, and we were going to close that northern bubble uh, and, with yep. the Brits. Yep. We're going to get right in their backyard and blow all of their bridges and make them fight us. And that's exactly what we did. Yep. We pushed out at like zero two, zero three in the morning under the cover of darkness, two squads reinforced. Straight up top. Um, and we didn't go up in a mass. We split. So we took our element one way. Uh, I believe it was two Bravo with the other squad, section machine guns, mortars. He carried the guns and stuff with him. And then we made our way up and we had a pre-planned OP building that we were going to take. And we were going to just operate out of a patrol base for five straight days and just really get after them. And, um, we got up there with no problem. Uh, the evolution up went smooth. We got into the compound, no problem. Yep. That went smooth. Yeah, we even had a post built before the sun came completely up. That went smooth. And our squad, my squad, was on the first patrol out. And that did not go smooth. It might have went smooth in the beginning. And then we blew some bridges up and things started to get spicy in the battle space. Hit that one. Um. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we just went up there and we did what I was talking about. We went up and we got after it. We we found them. We found their backyards. We blew their bridges up and they began to shoot at us profusely. I remember after the first day, we were up there and we fought for two or three hours and some of the boys were out of smokes. I think you in particular needed yourself a pack of mile 88s or pines. Pines. And uh, Yeah, pines. And so we knew that there was a small bazaar, cigarette shop bazaar, that we could kind of finagle our way by on the way back from this sure. gunfight. And so, <laughs> like I said, we had ICOM shadow Marines there and here we are, we're, we're working back and we're in the bazaar and the guys are like just doing a real quick up and back to get some smokes. And I don't know if it was two Bravo or, or uh, Herps. I think it was two Bravo called in and they're like, Hey, ICOM shadow Marines are saying they got eyes on a, on a Marine patrol close to a bridge in a bazaar. I was like, I'm on a bridge looking at the bazaar buying cigarettes. They're looking at you. And I remember, um, you know, you think afterward, you know, you think when you come home, like how many times was I doped in? How many times he had the reticle ray on my face and, and for whatever reason shot and missed or didn't shoot. And that was one of those days that we knew 100%, 100% they were looking at us. And so, you know, everybody got, you know, the posture of the you know, Excuse me. Excuse me. Everybody postured up and it was like, okay, it's time to bang. And the whole walk back, nothing happened. And I mean, you could have heard a pin drop. Everybody, but I mean, you couldn't get a 10 penny nail in there with a, with a sledgehammer. Pucker factor at 10. 
Yeah, and um, that was pretty wild. So we get back from that, and that other squads are now going to be going picking, kicking out patrols. Yeah, we're taking over that, posts. Getting our guys on post, yep. Two things. Uh, one, the tactic of us rolling up early morning. <laughs> Taking over a compound, post built before we even get before the sun even comes up, and post built that. because we took every man carried like five sandbags and his sappy plates more, under his yeah. sappy plates on the way up there, so we had so we could build our own post. Yeah, yep. um, that that tactic was always like you get up there and you're just in their face, like yeah, motherfucker, come 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 shoot at me. Yeah, just please. we we've we've hardened ourselves and bring your bitch ass down here and let us fucking take you. And send you to seventy two virgins. Seriously, yeah, you know, and they did. Yeah, they did, and we obliged uh, for five straight days. We banged with those dudes because uh, that wasn't the first day. Dude, that wasn't the first off we had used that tactic. There was a the time we went up to support the Brits on a blocking position. We did the same thing. Mm-hmm. We did it on a census op over to the uh, to the east northeast, and yeah, they always did not like that. They would they would fight us hard. Yeah, they get mad. They were big mad about I mean, it a lot of times. I mean, we post up right in their back door. I mean, put our flag up and put our post up and did, put our guns up and know, say, hey, this is ours now. And then they would come They would come unglued. You're disrupting their freedom of movement. They don't like it. And that's what we're there to do, like I said before. Yeah. And that's the other thing with the bridges. That's the whole point. Is, okay, we're going to go up here and destroy their freedom of movement and their freedom in these rat line bridges that they're using to reinforce this bubble. And, you know, at the same time, I didn't mention it, but the Brits closed down on their southern bubble. Yeah. So while we're doing that, we just, we just squeeze the shit out of them. Yeah. And, um. That was a wild op out of two squads. I mean, we had, I mean, stories for days in the books. I mean, I talk about one story where another squad was in contact and our 60 millimeter mortarman used a handheld conventional mode to, yeah. and, and used uh, Corpor- uh, Corporal Herbst at the time, uh, used him as an aiming stake. And he was, he was showing the guy how fast the moped was moving. And the moped was bailing out after ambushing the squad yeah. and we got pit on him. And they literally dropped that. <laughs> I go into it in, in detail in the book, but they dropped down that. They dropped down that. Uh, they dropped that 60 and it fired. Boom. And he set the charge and he said, you know, 30 seconds. And we're down five seconds. And I didn't get down because I'm like, nope, I'm seeing this. One. Right. And I'm holding up and I'm holding up and I'm holding up and I'm not looking through my RCO, but I'm right over the scope so I can get in the RCO as soon as I need to. And I'm watching the guy come. Here he comes, here he comes, here he comes, here he comes, here he comes. And as soon as he gets like five seconds, four, three, two, the man disappears in the place. It literally, the plume goes, and he was gone. And I remember looking at Steph's on right and being like, you think we need to go do a BDA on that one? (laughs) (laughs) Or can we call that in one enemy good firing? And um, and uh, I think they did that for the uh, ML uh, the MG uh, the MLG thirty two or whatever that freaking well, six that shot. Was, that was a different day, same op. That was like the next day after yeah. the after the sixties. And so that he was, did that a couple times. Well, that was us pinned down for that one. And I go into that one in the book because that was a good buddy of mine, uh, Scott Davis, yeah. and Corporal Davis, and uh, him and Herps were back at the. Patrol base with yeah. uh, third squad and two Bravo, and we had went out and literally as soon as appointment Wetzel walked around the corner, we were gonna we were gonna take the the exit out mm-hmm. the right, 
and they ripped it. And then I pulled Wetzel back around the corner. Yeah, Wetzel me. was the only one. I was like, really? You're not even going to let me get they, around the corner? Yeah, they literally were waiting on somebody to come just around one. that corner. I think they were just pissed and wanted a target at that point. Uh, well, that was close. Yeah. They barely missed him. So, I tore, and it was it was fast. I tore some part of his camis when I ripped him back around that corner. I ripped him so hard. And yeah. it's like, really, Corporal? You're going to rip my you gonna rip my frogs? Yeah, and you so know? you rip him around the corner, and it was like, uh, the op is still going on about facing. We went out the left end. The left end. <laughs> we went out behind the compound and went the other way. Yeah. And uh, so we get a little ways on that one, and I get a call back from Knuckles. You know, come over the squad internal gear. Yo, son, Rogers. I got a spotter. I'm like, Roger that. Two Bravo got a spotter. Going to take him down. Roger hit him. So I'm waiting on Knuckles to hit him. I'm waiting. The whole squad's waiting at this point. And like, yeah, we took a knee, we got down, burned out, like, he's spotting us. He's probably got a team watching us. Right. Or setting up an L-shaped ambush on us or something else, right? And uh, so finally, after like what seemed like forever, finally, you hear it go off. I'm like, God damn, Knuckles, what took so long? Comes back with, I had to get in a seated position. I have killed people in the standing. I have killed people in the kneeling. And I wanted to use the seated. So he literally so got stupid. down like in a rifle range seated position with bone and elbow support and the crotches of his knees. He took his long, deep breath and at his natural respiratory pause. And he, at that point, he engaged with a nice center mass chest shot. Yeah. And we only know this because then that Afghan Taliban commander traveled to our outpost and seeked out triage from our corpsman. Yeah. I think he expired yeah definitely right there like uh, yeah he didn't make it too far he didn't make it too far at all so um um and and, and, and all the while on is that we had um that was during the rip the right that was during the during the left seat we had two nines uh key leaders with us and i mean you talk about coming in and this is your very first operation as a key leader you're going Oh boy! Way to rip and tow this. But they did, you know, they um, they did they fared well for what they got into yeah. on their first on their first off. They didn't have that. I don't know how their workup went in the states, but they didn't have that workup from the initial. You know. Yeah, yeah, check. And so that was our that was our left seat showing them the battle space and and that kind of stuff. Well, getting uh, back to the six shooter story. Uh, oh, that's right. Getting back to the six shooter story. Yeah. So Scott Davis and. Uh, Herbst and the rest of third and two Bravo ICOM, they're all back at the compound. Now we're out. We averted the close call off the right side. We're moving up this body to the left. And we find ourselves in a really nice compound. And um, we make our way to the roof. And now we have, you know, we're full rooftop coverage and access. And um, we, so we had been in that compound before from one of our patrols. One of our, yeah. And it was just a night. We knew about the pump compound. Had swept it multiple times. There was never anything in there. I think we swept it again for in, when we went into entry with the metal detectors. Maybe I don't know. And then uh, because we, it was kind of a waypoint for us. We yep. knew where we were. Yeah, it was something we had plotted. It's something that we had planned. Um, had something that we had used before, and so we move in there. And the atmospherics went crazy. Um, we had, you know, military age males spotting us actively on the phones. Peeking out, looking at us, peeking back in. Peeking out, looking at us, peeking back in. And so we're keeping eyes on that. Rogering that up to two Bravo. And, and the way I rogered that one up, because there were so many of them, I didn't want to 
it's not that I didn't want to engage first, but I wanted to find out how many more they had because there was a bunch of them scurrying about. Where are they going to try and draw us? Right, and, and is this too obvious? And so we kind of remained fire disciplined on that one. And uh, remember, <laughs> we had I had guns on the roof. I also had grenadiers on the roof. You, I believe, were ready with a with a grenade in the breach, a forty Mike Mike. And I know I Always. took I took point. Um, and Grimes, I took Wetzel and Grimes, I believe Wetzel went across first and maybe, yeah, Wetzel went across first, posted up Grimes on my side and he had the saw and I posted him up in the ditch with a saw on the road and I said, now when this goes down, they're going to be on that road and I want you to hit them all. And uh, he's like, all right, so I rogered up to Bravo. I'm like, hey, I'm about to get the tit. And I, it, it was inevitable. You knew it right. was happening. They were moving into position. There were spotters everywhere, mams everywhere. We hadn't seen a gun yet. But we were trying to feel them out, and we knew we knew that we were getting in a fight with that group of people. And so when we called it up, it was like, "Hey, this is about to go down, and this is the tree line that they're in, and uh, just stand by for contact." And and basically at that point, it was just two brother Roger standing by for contact. You know, he's <laughs> he's ready to he's ready to employ some. What do you want from me? <laughs> yeah, he's ready to employ some weapon systems, right? And um, so and sure enough, I think just as I moved across the road to get on Wetzel's side of the road, we were echeloning by ones at this point. And uh, just as I went to go across, they ripped it. And then Grimes ripped his right back at him, barking. And then two, three, four uh, M203 grenades come into the compound from our roof. And now our guns are barking and we're talking. And uh, instantly back at the cop, they were like, oh, they're in it. They weren't joking. And that's the tree line the enemy's in. And uh, all I hear is over squad internal over the black ear. I heard Corporal Herps get on the line and say, Yo, Rogers, get low. Scotty's got the thumper. You've got six coming in hot. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Scotty had picked up the what he's a Mark 32, Mark 34. Mark 32, I think. 32. And it's basically a, it's a, it's a six shooter for, for 40 the Mike Mikes. First patrol. Well, it was the first patrol they came on where he had it or anyone had it for that matter. Well, I think Scott carried a lot in his patrols. Yeah. In but his squad. But for us, we didn't ever carry one, but it was a nice piece of equipment that day. Oh, yeah. Because we hunkered down. We're fighting the enemy. And uh, you could hear him come out. We weren't but 300 meters from the cop. That's why he could engage still. Right. Uh, with 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 the with the two or three, and all you heard was doom, 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 doom. And you stood by, and here they come right down into the tree line. Doom, 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 doom. doom yeah, they doom. were stuck. They were dead on with that. And uh, and then he loads three. He loads six more. Doom, 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 doom. Boom, 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 boom. And after that. Quiet. The battle space went quiet, and then we had to do BDA, which sucked. Yeah. Got called up. Hey, they're all gone. How many? You want me to look? Sure do, Roger. And you get up there, and you find like some jammed up weapons. I think we found some blood that time, and some shell casings because they had to get them out of there quick. But yeah. you know, after of we course. got up three hundred meters up, they're already blown out of there. No runners team, runners team that time. Yeah. So, and that was a wild time. And, and the five day war just continued that way. There's another part that I go in great detail in the book. We, we did a, we did a squad Australian peel, a little Aussie peel. And that we was did the a, last firefight yeah, right we, there. We Aussie peeled for close to 200 meters from a compound to another compound. It was the most proud dad moment a squad leader could ever have because we hadn't trained it. We hadn't done it, never used it. Not, I'm not going to say we hadn't trained. We, we just hadn't trained it in a long time. We, yeah, it's not like we're doing it every day. I mean, but it's a great tactic. Is it? It is a. Great I don't know squad that I ever either. trained it or practiced it with this squad ever because of how late in the workup I came uh, in. 
we might have done it once or twice in in country, just uh, just short ones, just but this, on this one we had an east and west running canal, and uh, well, and when you think about two hundred meters, the amount of people we had on that patrol, uh, I mean, stacked. that's basically what you need to for everybody to take a to to get in that line, and you know, I mean, I started picking up, and me, Wetzel, and Wright were the first three on the base or the pivot, you know, area, you know, because yeah, yeah. we sat down because we are the first three out the corner. Yeah, you all sat down so and, then, angry. and then we so just, angry. I just, just don't want to get in that ditch. We started moving. I think right before we started moving, I called out that we were going to do a peel and we had to get to the left of the enemy because they were trying to cut us off from our reinforcements and from our PB yeah. and they were good that day. And we had already fought for four five six hours at that point. i don't remember how long it was but because that was when we day. had the, that was when we had the watermelons yeah. at the oh. at when we were at the nine two and yeah. they engaged the british area of operations taliban engaged us over the nine two yeah that sounds right and then we went over to that mosque where that girl was flipping uh, oh yeah the feet of bread mosque it was a house near a mosque and the call of prayer came up and that's when things got hairy got a little spot look got a little spicy and then we got in a, in a muddy, uh, muddy flooded field and i had like the way i came the way i came in was the way i was going out boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah so we all see peel out of i think i engaged with a law rocket uh, on some reinforcing enemy and then we started the peel and you knew better than to ask me to uh, carry the tube back. The yeah, tube back. check. You because were you were actually still salty about the laws. Still salty. Ten years, eleven years, and you're still salty about the laws. Um, yeah, we all see peel out of there. We RTB back, and then and actually, uh, two Bravo was with us that yeah for that one. He sure was. He, he sure was. And uh, yeah, man, wild day. So yeah. that pretty much was it. The five day war comes to a conclusion. Um, Two nine squad leaders and team leaders get a real nice break in, yeah. and uh, and then the left seat happens. So then our key element flies out on the birds that their key element flies in on, and now it's myself and LT that are doing right seat, which means now we're in the passenger seat with their squad, and that's um I don't care who you are, yeah yeah it's Marines, it's you relieving Marines, but when you've been doing this and in it for eight months with your squad. And now you're running with guys that, A, you don't know, and uh, A, you don't know in that environment. <clears throat> that's um, that's nerve-wracking. I remember doing the uh, last couple of patrols with, I believe it was Sergeant Soto, who came in and I was yep. ripping with. And, uh, man... That first couple of patrols for them was rough. And, you know, I'm I mean, not they, saying anything about the training or anything like that. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm calling a spade a spade. I took them out. They couldn't navigate to the um, patrol house without help. The OP? The OP. I mean, I gave them the grid, and they missed it by 500 meters. Um, oh, right on the road. <clears throat> I understand that. And then so we get, the, we get in there, and I'm like, hey, you know, it would be a good time for you to, you know, Go ahead and call in a mission. You know, get it under your belt. It might be jacked up. Your guns just took over. Your command's just yeah, taken over the firing line. Go ahead and spin yourself a mission. This is a great field that they'll move weapons through. And I was just giving them, like, the down low on that area. This is what we do here. We post up in this very building once every couple of months, and we bust their heads when they're trying to move weapons. And um, you're going to need loom for that. 
and you're going to need you need, it's better to practice this loom mission now and fuck this one up than when you need immediate suppression in a month when I'm going. Right. And uh, so he did, and he was very humble and very, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he, was, he didn't know, he couldn't do it off the top of the rip. He had to write his missions down and stuff like that, which we hadn't done in months, um, or I hadn't done in months. And, uh, and yeah, man, it was just real slow. I think it was 38 minutes before we got loom rounds in the air. And uh, it involved, like, me and LT, I think, grabbing the hook and being like, hey, what? is going on thank god they don't need real real rally right, you no know and, and it wasn't all the gun line but it at, at one point it became like the coc and the gun line were not making this happen the way it was supposed to because they were asking questions about who was calling things and it was like hey guess what i'm out of the wire fire the damn round i yeah. told you i needed loom 38 minutes ago fire the round right now and it's not like loom is going to come down and, and you know i didn't say it I, I, I don't think i said it so rude but yeah. i think i told him like hey like this is getting a little ridiculous sergeant rogers like i understand you don't know who i am but this is 38 minutes get around in there please we're trying to look at something and finally you know one round comes and told him hey let's get another round how do we do that you know Adjust. What, what's the one thing you don't say unless you want to have Repeat. Yeah, and, yeah. So I go through this whole thing with him, and I just remember the whole. And you know, you remember, <laughs> he probably gonna like me saying this, but LT, uh, when he was nervous, he had not, yeah, I'll say nervous. Maybe it wasn't nervous, maybe it was when he experienced discomfort in other, I was in say other people's Discomfort in other people's decisions, let's say that. He would look at you right like this, wide eyed, looking yeah, right at the top of his shot. eyebrows, like, are you feeling what I'm saying? Are you feeling <laughs> and what he I'm say, feeling? Yo, what is, what is going on? Like, yo, Charles Rogers, <laughs> let me get a minute. He's like, yeah, what's up, sir? Yo. What, yo, what, yo. Are, what are they doing right now? Yo, when this goes bad, we're breaking straight south. <laughs> we're breaking straight south of the road. Diddy, now we got six clicks to move. Keep up. And he's going to do six clicks in two minutes or yeah. something stupid. You're going to do 11 miles an hour on average. <laughs> right. the way back. And you're going to be like, <sighs> I'm not keeping up with him. No, man. Lost so, Marine plan. Anyway, guys, that's it. That's the book wrap. That's the lines of Marja. And please, you're going to have to go out and you're going to have to get your own copy of this to get all the uh, all the extra details inside. It's gotten great reviews from Marines. It's gotten great reviews from Marine Wives. It's got great, great reviews from... Um, family other members. service members, family members, and saying that they at least get a little bit of the grasp of what's going on. Um, you can check that out on Amazon.com. You can check all of our information in our writing contest and everything, as we said, in every episode on our Facebook page, on our Instagram, and on our Twitter. And those are at Choices Not Chances Podcast. This is Ryan and Matt signing off, guys. Thanks. Thanks. How we doing, everybody? This is the co-host of Choices Not Chances podcast, Matthew Charette. As mentioned in the beginning of the show, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Louisiana Gun Shop. The folks at Louisiana Gun Shop have been a longtime supplier of firearms and shooting supplies and services, as well as very good friends of mine. One day, we will get the owner and founder, Harlan Boblet, on the show. At Louisiana Gun Shop, the sky is the limit when it comes to getting the firearms and accessories you want for your current or future firearms. They have a nice selection of handguns, rifles, and shotguns in stock, or can order just about any firearm you could want or need. They specialize in concealed carry handguns and custom AR-15 builds. 
In addition to firearms, they also carry ammo, suppressors, optics, and a wide variety of gun parts for the upgrade and maintenance of your firearms. If you want to get further into the upgrade side of things, they provide customization services such as Cerakote, laser engraving, and Kydex holsters. So like I stated before, Louisiana Gun Shop is located on Highway 90 West in Broussard, Louisiana, just south of Lafayette. It used to be Louisiana Gun Shop did not have an online presence. But now I am happy to announce that their website is up and ready for business for online sales to all 50 states at louisianagunshop.com. Louisiana Gun Shop also offers Louisiana residents concealed carry classes for a very reasonable price. Harlan's experience in the concealed carry space when it comes to the laws and the do's and the don'ts is pivotal in attaining your Louisiana concealed carry license. As well as the firearm market, Harlan also conducts explosive training for Louisiana blasters licenses for oil field and special effects workers in Louisiana. Workers in these fields from out of state will also need to have their training in this field to complete their work in Louisiana. So whether you need a firearm, upgrade your old firearm, targets and ammo for a range day, or you just like to talk to people who support the Second Amendment, Louisiana Gun Shop is your place, either in person or online. Remember, they are located on Highway 90 West in Broussard, Louisiana, just south of Lafayette, or online at louisianagunshop.com. You can also follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Louisiana Gun Shop. A special thanks to Harlan and Jenny at Louisiana Gun Shop for sponsoring the show. Please support them so they can support us and keep the podcast free for all. Thanks. Have a great day. Semper Fi and God bless America. Not too far. You're marking the building. Hit him. Yeah, that's good. That's a good shot. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah.